And excellent. We are we are live on Leadership Redefined. Uh, again, it's our second this morning, which is great. We always like to have a couple shows on, on a Monday. Uh, hopefully everyone had a great Easter if you celebrate uh, on a Monday after Easter here. We have uh, Dr. Bernardo and Dr. Nunziato. Welcome. And we have a, our, special, uh, our special guest, uh, uh, Adam, welcome. Uh, it, you are welcome, Adam. Welcome to our to Leadership Redefined. Um, so, uh, just we'd love for you to introduce yourself. I know you have this wonderful uh, history of of doing a lot of things in a lot of different places, which uh, is near and dear to my heart. I know all of us here have done a lot of different things, and I'm I'm kind of a, a journey journey person in that aspect as well, as far as doing a whole lot of things and shaping who I am today. So, Adam. Uh, if you could really talk about yourself, then we'll get into uh, sort of this reimagined role of, of uh, principalship that you're passionate about uh, throughout throughout your career and, and even more so now. Yeah, well, thanks, gentlemen, for having me on. It's always great. I have three podcasts of my own, so it's always great to be on the other side and to be interviewed <laughs> where I'm not having to like plan the questions and organize all the back end. Uh, I've been a teacher. I started when I was 22 or 23 years old, classroom teacher assistant principal, principal actually of the school where I went as a student, which was pretty fun. I, I went back to that school as a principal and then transitioned to district office. I was director of innovation and technology for a large school district out in the Bay Area. We had 50 schools, about 35,000 students and just worked K-12. It was awesome job. And then I've been doing things kind of on the side, writing, blogging, and then I wrote a book and the book just really took off and a lot of opportunities came to me for speaking and consulting. And I'm a believer that when doors open, you should walk through those doors. Yeah. I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people look at the open door and they don't take the opportunity because they are not sure what's it going to do. And you know what? Life is, life is all about calculated risks. And my wife and I calculated the risk and I walked through and for the last three years, I've been a full-time speaker, consultant, traveling, living um, in hotel rooms and on airplanes. And um, it's been fun. And um, the goal was to always go back, I think, and be a principal because I didn't want to be in airports for the next 20 years. And COVID happened. So it kind of made that decision for me, which I guess was a silver lining for my family. So I get to spend more time with my family. So I'm back in the I'm back in the principal role. And um, like I was telling you guys before the show, I'm kind of like that Johnny Cash song. I've been everywhere because I've been so many places and just seen a lot of things. I really think it's it's matured my leadership and really rounded out my leadership, which is it's a fun experience. I think a lot of people, once they leave teaching or the principalship, they may not go back to it, but going back to it, it feels a lot. It feels fun because I, I know what to do and I know what to expect. Um, so that's kind of where I am. So how is that? I'm curious because, uh, having so much experience, uh, really every, uh, I'm assuming this is even worldwide, Adam, not just in the United States and in, in, in multiple places, but, um, seeing these different systems, seeing these different, uh, educational, uh, philosophies, uh, how things function, how, how has that, that shaped you? And I know we talked a little bit offline about, sort of redefining this principalship, right? Un unprincipled, I think you said, or something along those lines. So um, speak to that. Like, how is it, how has it changed you? What has it done? Like, give it, do you have an example of, of how that may, may have changed you? Yeah. Well, first off, I, like I said, the whole, I've, I've matured into my leadership. 
you know, there's mistakes that you don't make that you made early on when you were a young buck principal. And I think it, it, it allows you to build relationships faster, know what needs to be worked on faster and quicker and what to do. Like I'll talk to my secretary and she goes, Oh yeah, I didn't think about that. I'm like, yeah, I've, I've been down this, I've been down this road before, so I'm not going to do that again. So it just makes things more efficient, which is, which is helpful. It's helpful for me. It's helpful for staff and the community. And it's, uh, it's just less white noise, I think around you. And way back when, well, 10 years ago, when I got my first principalship, my goal was to be, uh, to be like, like the unprincipled. I wanted to be the principal that I never had, that I never saw. And I think even more so now, our world has changed so much. And with COVID, it's changed even more, which again, if we're looking for a silver lining, there are silver linings in all the, all the badness of people losing lives and jobs and careers with this. But Todd Whitaker, um, I saw something he said, we can't come back normal. We have to come back better. And if we're going to use that as an opportunity, I'm really, really trying to redefine the role of what a principal does, what they should do, what they have other people do. And it's obviously much more complex than that, but that's, that's the goal. And I, I know where to put energy, where not to put energy, like, Oh yeah, that's going to be something big. I'm going to go work on that. Or this thing over here, like, eh, I'm going to let it go by me. It's, it's okay. Where before I may have tried to take everything on and done everything and um, had every single conversation. It's a sustainable leadership is very important to me. And I think there are way too many workaholics and not enough hard workers in the principalship. And that's something that I've seen in all of my travels, principles that live at work and you can't live at work. We have to have sustainable leadership um, because we have to empower the people and we have to know what, what is going to have impact, what's going to have return on our investment of time, of money, of training, of, of everything that, that, that we really talk about. So my goal as a principal is to do as little as possible. And I say that tongue in cheek because yes, I'm the principal, I'm part of the team and I'm working hard, but I constantly say, okay, should I be doing this or can I empower somebody else to do this? Um, maybe it's a teacher, maybe it's a parent in the community, maybe it's my secretary, maybe it's a student. But the most important question with that is, should nobody be doing this? And in my experience, there are so many things that schools are doing that people have just been doing forever. And I ask the question, why are we doing this? I mean, think about companies right now that have had to shift and shift and shift and shift just to survive our changed world over the, over the last year. Because a little over a year ago, our country shut down basically, right? When March 12th, I was in New York for a week speaking and consulting, and I haven't been on an airplane since then. And if companies don't shift and they haven't pivoted like 15 times, they're out of business. Companies have had to do this. And our schools cannot go out of business, but our schools can become irrelevant for students, for the world that they are living in. And our, our leadership has to reflect that. And too many principals are still leading the same way that they've always led the last 5, 10, 15, 25 years. And the conversation has to change. We are a CEO. I'm a CEO of a school. And if a CEO hasn't changed their thought process, uh, what an office looks like, all of my neighbors where I live, 
They say, I'm never going into the office ever again because they work for LinkedIn and they work for Twitter and they work for these big companies or they may go in one day a week whenever offices open back up. And I know schools, you know, it's still a Monday through Friday, but that mindset has to be brought into our schools because we're getting our kids ready for that world. But we also have to change the ecosystem that we're in that's reflected in the world that we are. We can't still do the same old thing. I turn on the lights at 7 a.m. and I turn off the lights at 5 p.m. It's got to look different. So that's what I'm passionate about. And I think it really goes back to sustainable leadership. Our schools have to be sustainable for me, for the teachers, for the custodian, for the staff. And we really have to have conversations about everything that we do. Is this still relevant? How we're doing it? Is it still relevant at all? And what does it look like moving forward? Yeah, and that that shift, and I, I want to hear from uh, Rich and Anthony as well, but that, that shift and sort of not going back to what it was um, is, I think, a, a fear by a lot in education because we know that that is the tendency of education, right? To go with what's safe, to go with what's easy. Um, and that's, it's frustrating, but it's, we're also, I think a lot of people are fearful of that because we, we have this amazing, and I love what you said about, you know, going through that open door, because you know, I, I think I mentioned either off air or earlier, I'm one to walk through that door, not knowing what, how it's going to turn out. And it's done some good things for myself. Um, and I, that's a lesson in itself If people just take, you, you're not going to know uh, exactly how things are going to pan out. And as a principal, as a leader in education, it's the same thing. You don't necessarily know how things are going to pan out um, if you step through that, that door, but you won't know if you don't step through the door either, right? So, uh, so either one, you're not going to know. So why not step through that door and, and try uh, something that could be really good for the students, the teachers, the community overall? Uh, Rich, Anthony, um, thoughts, questions for Adam? Uh, yeah, Adam, first of all, I, I can't agree enough with your views and, and uh, assessment of not only what we currently do as, as educators, but what we need to do. Um, and, and I've been in that same boat uh, as you have on many occasions, and I've always prided myself on being a change agent. Um, sometimes you're thwarted or have to deal with the challenges that um, I've learned a long time ago, looking back on my career, that being a change agent also meant incremental change sometimes, because there's a lot, a lot of things that stand in your way. And I'm curious if you could share with us, um, like your own philosophy on a micro level, how do you deal with those challenges? Um, yeah, how do you how do you mitigate them in order to do what you're talking about doing, which is exactly what should be done? That's changing the conversation. They're you know, shifting that paradigm on on what leadership should be doing, I and mean, that's what we're all about at Leadership Redefined because we do believe that leadership, particularly in schools, needs to be redefined if we're going to to do what you just said. And that um, and and I thought it was very poignant. Um, schools today are not um, serving the needs of children. Most schools, I'm not gonna say all schools. Uh, how do we prevent them from becoming irrelevant? I think many of them are irrelevant already. Um, so I'm curious to know, just give us a sense of your own personal philosophy or how you approach that on that micro level. Yeah, so one of the sayings that I hate the most that I've heard forever is go slow to go fast. I absolutely hate that saying. Um, because our kids cannot go slow. 
We cannot be going slow for our kids. There's a change happens fast when it's when it makes sense and when it's doable. There's a there's a commercial. I think it played at the Super Bowl last year. It's a Hyundai commercial. And there's a guy and he's trying to park in a parking spot. And there's a couple of friends on the curb. They're like, no, 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 you can't park there. It's not going to fit. He's like, bro, my car has smart park. He's like, smart park. What are you talking about? Right. To throw in some love to my East Coast friends here. They got that Boston accent and the car parks itself. And they're like, whoa, no way. And then Big Poppy. Sorry if you're a Yankees or a Mets fan. Big (laughs) Poppy comes out. He's like, you can't park there. He's like, bro, it's parked itself. The point of that is when something is simple and it makes sense, you can change people's opinion very fast. He changed their opinion within 30 seconds. So my mindset, Anthony, is think big, act small. You got to have small wins, small, small, small. And people go, oh yeah, we can do things. We can make change. I never thought we could do that, but we can do this. And then your people start coming to you. They go, hey, can we, can we do this? And that is when you know you got them. You got them hooked because they see those small wins. If you think big and try to act big, it's going to be like a big cruise ship. It's really hard to move a cruise ship. But if you think like a jet ski, you know, you can pop, 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 pop. You can get around really quick. You can make those changes. So I'm always looking for those easy wins, you know, call it low hanging fruit, whatever you want to do. I don't even use that saying because I think it's an old school saying, but I'm like, oh, hey, we can do this. We can do that. It starts to breed that culture of, yes, let's go, let's go, let's go. And that's where my mentality of doing as little as possible, that's how you breed that because then your teachers, your secretary, your custodian, your bus drivers, they're going to start thinking like that, talking like that, acting like that. And then the organization, and then what you're doing is you're just standing back and you're taking pictures of everybody, right? You're documenting that, that progression. Hey, teach for 25 years, lead for 25 years. Don't lead and teach the same year 25 times, especially in this world that we live in right now. It's got to change every quarter. And I think it's a good exercise for educators because people, like you said, change is hard. There is no growth in the comfort zone. So make little uncomfortable pushes and nudges for people. Then they they start to see, oh, wow, my kids reacted differently. I'm working less. I'm more efficient. I'm having more fun. I have less discipline referrals, you know, whatever that might be. It's all going to come together in that ecosystem. But the principle leads the way. And uh, I'm not going to get in trouble for saying this, but the principal is the most important person in a school district because they set the tone and people that are listening that are teachers. I love you. Don't take that the wrong way, but you all know you've had principals that are amazing and fun and they know what's up. And then you've probably had a principal that's like, wah, wah. And the school changes based on that. So once that principal sets that tone and that culture and that mindset, you are off to the races. So that's really kind of like at a micro how I think, and there's not like a perfect formula. You can't write a book or a blog post to a principal and say, do this, this, and this. You exactly. got to like be with them and be like, Hey, do that right there. Hey, exactly. that don't like that right there. Yes. Yes. Go, 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 go. And like push, push, push and make that change. And then they're going to go, okay. And then things are going to start just kind of coming out from there. So yeah. that's how, yeah. that's how I think. And um, it works. I mean, I've done it. So. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah, I want to I want to hear from Rich as well. But to that point, uh, if we look at COVID too, Adam, right? I mean, we had to. People have a hard time embracing the whole and understanding the whole and and moving forward. Like, all right, COVID hit. We have to 
completely transform education. They didn't, they, what happens is that people shut down. Oh my God, we can't do it. But if Sarah, listen, we need to get devices in the kids' hands. We need to uh, shift to, to an online platform. We need to look at our instruction and train our teachers how to, how to do this. So incrementally people could handle it, but holistically people don't necessarily have the capacity or uh, just the emotional uh, capacity even to handle such a large thing. So I love that philosophy and that outlook as far as how you, how you go about doing things. Rich, want to hear from you and then we'll wrap up. Adam, will give you the last say and uh, love to, when we have certain guests, I would like, we have to have, be on again because there's so much to talk about. Uh, we'd love to have you on again as well, Adam. So Rich, a thought from you and then we'll let Adam close out. Yeah. Wow. I have four or five points I'll try to get to, but I'll, I'll try to squeeze it back. Uh, questions for you and some remarks. Uh, um, and these are in no particular order at all. So just uh, re respond to anything that uh, may, tr may, uh, may uh, prompt you to, to, res to respond to it. Um, first of all, I'm interested in the, that director of innovation position because it sounds like that's the sum SUM of your, of your philosophy in terms of leading, leading your building. But I'll come back to that in a moment. I heard uh, two principles early on in your conversation. Uh, one is pretty obvious. I'm sure everyone, not everyone necessarily, but most people have read uh, Covey, Stephen Covey, and uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And I think he got this from Eisenhower. By the way, Eisenhower was the president in the 1950s that some of these people weren't, weren't born in. And I was born then too, but I was a lot younger, way younger, where they talked about, uh, Covey talks about, doing things that are important, but not urgent. And that sounds like part of your basic philosophy. And so something that you, that's important, we are the kinds of things that you, you mean to do to, um, I don't like to use this word, but I'll use the verb for the moment, delegate out to other folks to empower them to take up those kinds of things. And in empowering them, who knows what, come, what, what, uh, what the weight will be of the, of the, uh, the power that they accumulate. So I, that's one thing I know that I heard. You use the word sustainable leadership. Uh, I would give a synonym and that would be uh, futures-based. Really, really what you're saying is folks need to think out further than what's in front of their nose. And I've argued this point a million times. Uh, we should have, I, I think, it's just Bernardo thinking, I'm not talking about uh, the, the official policy position of, futures, of uh, leadership redefined. We should have anticipated COVID not COVID specifically, but we should have anticipated crises that our systems would have easily trans, uh, adjusted to if we had been futures-based. And we weren't, as a whole with a W. Some buildings you know, and places responded to it better. And I think that that's what's coming out of this. Uh, and again, the, the, the silver lining out of a, uh, out of a terrible uh, set of events may turn out to be some good things in terms of the sustainability of this, but I'm basically I'm talking about the disposition of futures based. Uh, the other thing I, I could talk to a ton of things that you want. Oh, one thing that Anthony said and that you responded to, I, I want to uh, piggyback. Every time Anthony points, makes a point, I always piggyback off of it. They're so damn valuable. Uh, those small wins that you spoke about, I have to tell you, that didn't occur to me when you said that. Generally speaking, I, I always I ask a question that goes something like this, uh, and that would be, uh, do you believe in adaptation or transformation? Sometimes I think of adaptation as small wins 
as in, we'll just turn the dial that much more and then we'll continue to muddle on through. But that isn't what you meant. What you meant, I, if I can put words in your mouth and take them out again, was you meant that the small wins, those low-hanging fruits, if you want to use that, really were, the, uh, really were, uh, were supposed to amount to a critical mass towards true transformation, toward, towards innovation. Because clearly that's how you nurtured innovation when you had that 35,000 school student school district and the building that you're serving in. And in among all that blah, 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 if there's anything that you would like to respond to, I'll invite you to, to, uh, to answer any of those things. Well, I think to piggyback on your small wins uh, comment, yes. And what that also does is it gives your people permission because a lot of educators have not yeah. had permission and that is organizational decision-making where I want people to make yeah. decisions without having to come to me. Cause when they have to come to you, things right. don't get done at the rapid speed that they should. So what that does is, Oh yeah, this, they, they see now that they're like, you're, you're light and you're tight and you want to move forward. And you're like, Oh, I can make these decisions. It's going to be, it's going to be applauded. It's going to be celebrated. I'm going to keep doing more. And that, is how you get to doing as little as possible. That, that's the connection in it all. Um, and I, I love these conversations, guys, because, you know, my idea, your idea, we come together and the idea gets better and it, it really, it really flushes out. Uh, something that I do um, want to talk about. And, you know, if, if we're going to end on this is education and plans are so complicated. Do not build a PowerPoint presentation. Do not mind map on a huge whiteboard or a huge piece of butcher paper. The simpler something is, the less that can go wrong. The more complicated your idea is, the more that, the more that can go wrong because there's all these steps and things. So here is my strategy that I've used for years is get a post-it note, get one of those little three by three post-it notes. And if your idea and the implementation plan do not fit on that post-it note, your idea and the implementation plan is too complicated. This is why I love Twitter. And I like original Twitter. It was 120 characters. You had to be really concise with what you wanted to say. And then they doubled it to 240 characters. It's still not a lot. But the point is, you take this huge idea. It's too complex. It costs too much money. It's too complicated. Your people aren't going to understand it. They're not going to be able to flex with their classroom or their department or their grade level or if they're in Georgia or Texas or Tennessee or wherever they are. But when it's simple on a post-it note, that is that jet ski mentality where you can, we can pick up a jet ski and Anthony, we can put it in the back of your truck and we can drive a mile down the road and go to another lake. You can't do that with a cruise ship. You can't do that with a whiteboard. A post-it note, you can put in your pocket. Keep it simple. Education, life is so complicated. I mean, it's got it. My, my brother used to be in charge of Barbie for the whole world. He worked for Mattel and he was in charge of Barbie and they didn't do PowerPoint presentations. They did one page summaries. If you read about uh, Amazon, they don't allow those kind of presentations. They want, boom, they want one page, bullet points, whatever that format looks like. And education is complicated. It is too complicated and we need to simplify things so anybody can read it, understand it, regurgitate it, make a decision and move forward. Well presuming up. that they also did what you spoke about, excuse me, presuming, Adam, what they also did what you spoke about is that you've built capacity among your 
among your staff and your stakeholders to have those kinds of muscles to tackle those the, all the other little silly things that come at people. Then, then they'd be able to shift any way you want. I agree with that. Right. Yeah, and it's up to a leader to um, sort of position or uh, create a framework that's easily understandable for your stakeholders too. And the simplicity uh, of what you're framing is really important because they're not, not everybody understands or is at, at the level of understand of, of looking at things holistically. Um, so I love that piece as well. Adam, well, people that yeah, are listening we, right just, now, just people that are listening time. right now, if you can't regurgitate, if you can't recite your district or your school's mission and vision in the top priorities, and it's too complicated. And it needs not many can. No, there's like 20 to 25 strategic goals for a school district. How the heck can you support, fund, talk about yeah. 20 to 25 strategic goals? Three to five. You ask somebody, hey, what's our goals for this school district? You should be able to ask a student or a parent or That's a librarian. Right. Right. And they're like, this is what we're focused on. Because if you're focused on too many things, you're focused on nothing because you can't support it. And you don't even know where you're, I don't know what we're doing. I don't know where we're going. You've right. got to know we, where you are going. Keep it we, we, we suffer from self-inflicted complexity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It really it's is self-inflicted. It's a bumper sticker, Anthony. Yeah, but <laughs> you think about it, and, and it's got its origins in many, many places, but you're absolutely right. Um, and we can have a whole other show on just figuring out why, but uh, I think you're absolutely right. That, I'll come back on the show, I promise. That's awesome. That simplicity yeah. is, is important. You're absolutely right. <laughs> mm -hmm. Good. I'm sorry uh, I interrupted. No, that's no, that's great. A great comment, and I love. Um, I think the the biggest takeaway for me is 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 uh, in its simplest form is your passion for this, Adam. And I love that it comes through and and what you're saying, and it's get it, it's getting my juices flowing too. And I want to I want to keep this going. So uh, again, uh, love loved having you on. Please uh, sign up, come on again. Uh, love having you on again, and continue the conversation and continue the passion around. That's sustainable uh, change in leadership, the sustainable growth um, in education overall. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, we a little, little trouble getting you on there, but we, we did it, and I'm glad we did. Uh, so I really appreciate the time you uh, spent with us this morning and look forward to connecting with you moving forward. So thank you yes, so definitely. much. Really thank you very much. Thank Thanks, you very guys. much. Thank you.